What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Coaches Network. Bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest today. My guest today is a very good friend of mine, longtime friend, and he's now pretty much a public figure um pro athlete turned reality tv star back to pro athlete let's see how that journey evolved and where it began today my guest is ovi soko what's happening bro yo what is going on coach yes my guy how is life how is everything how are you doing bro doing good man can't complain um nothing like we just said off air we're still healthy health is number one still living still breathing um, that's the start and obviously just they're taking each day as it comes man pretty much similar to yourself I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume too much different yeah man you know um, right now you, I think health has definitely been pushed to the front of a lot of our minds which is something that I think we should take on um, as a mindset anyway however obviously with the past years with the whole COVID uh, situation how much life has just changed for all of us you know, just being healthy is something to to definitely count as a big win every day. Definitely, bro. Bro, just before we get cracking and you know into real part of the discussion, maybe just for those who are, who are maybe not familiar with you, just give a bit of brief background on who you are, what you do, um, and it will kind of tailor from there. Yeah, so I'm Ovi Soko. Um, grew up in England. Had a passion for sports, basketball in particular. I dabbled in different sports growing up, but basketball was where um, I sort of found a real passion and sort of went on a journey, took me over to the States, uh, and it's taken me around the world. I'm a national, um, I play for GB, uh, for the national team. Uh, And yeah, man, my journey's just been very, very interesting. I had a little stint on reality TV. Um, That was interesting, but I'm sure we'll get into all of that. So yeah, that's who I am. Dope, dope. Bro, so let's go right back to the start of that journey. You know, you've talked a bit, you know, we've obviously known each other for a long time, um, near enough 20 years now. You talked there about getting into basketball, but, you know, you obviously, before that, you were heavily involved in football. Um, let's start back then, you know, what, 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 what caught your attention about, you know, basketball in particular? Obviously, you were very passionate about doing sports at the time. 
where did, where did basketball come into that journey and what really caught your attention about that? Um, well, growing up, obviously, you know, you're, you're pretty familiar, but uh, my first passion was football. I loved football, man. Um, like, like a lot of kids that grow up in, in the UK, I was born, raised in Tottenham until about around the age of 10, moved over to Barnet. Uh, just before secondary school. And yeah, football really had my attention for the most part. Um, I did try, I tried out cricket. I was just an athletic kid. I tried out cricket, tried athletics, um, tried rugby. You know, I, if it was sports, I, you know, I gave it a shot. Um, and I definitely wouldn't have said early on that, that basketball would have been a road I wanted to go down. Um, funny enough, you know, uh, a, a family friend, bought me a basketball as a gift when I was pretty young and my first reaction you know obviously you say thank you but I'm like yeah this gift sucks like <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this I took it to school first day uh still in primary school walking to school ball bounces off my foot into Great Cambridge Road motorway big red bus comes along and pops the ball and like yeah I'm just looking and yeah that's my my basketball career early on I'm like yeah that's not for me and skip a couple years down the line, um, my brother, he picked it up first. He picks up basketball and, and you know, he, he's someone who I'd, you know, I'd follow him around everywhere, sort of take interest in things he took interest in. And yeah, man, I tagged along to a practice and, and things just sort of took off from there, man. It, it was something that was different uh, that, yeah, I just found interesting. So what, what was it about that? Because obviously, you know, you played you play football quite a lot prior to that. You said you were experimenting and delved into different sports just to kind of see if there's anything that was right for you, if you like. But obviously, tagging along with your brothers or your brother's influence is probably a, a big one on you, especially at a young age. What was different about the basketball? Was it, is it, was it even a game of basketball or was it the environment that, was, that you kind of embarked upon in terms of that, where your brother went into, the type of practice, the type of coaching that was taking place? What, what was it in particular, if you could, if you really recall on that? Uh, in particular, I would say a lot of it was to do with the culture, the culture around around basketball, you know, like basketball and, and hip hop, basketball and music, um, they they go hand in hand. And, and even up until now, I think you're seeing something that it has, you know, basketball in a funny way has affected sports, period. Um, if you talk about Michael Jordan, you have big-time athletes that have played multiple different sports from Ali in boxing to the Pele's, Maradona's in football, um, you know, to the Tiger Woods in golf. But none of, you know, the above or in any other sport, as far as I know, have had the impact on sports, on fashion, on culture, the same way Michael Jordan has. And, and you know, that's just to use him as an example. Um, you look at the, the the fashion that is around sports now. It's a big deal, like what what guys are wearing. Uh, and you're seeing this trend sort of trickle into football and you're seeing a lot more footballers being a lot more open with their fashion and their style. And, you know, you see Pogba uh, with the different hairstyle, you know, um, all of these different elements of fashion that now guys are being a lot more open about. Well, that started with basketball. You know, basketball was sort of the first place where, um, you know, a dress code that married with hip hop, married with 
of you know urban culture was seen as far as uh, Alan Iverson uh, a, a, quite a while ago. Um, and obviously they they made changes and and brought in a dress code, but it just shows like there was just something about basketball that I felt like connected to culture, connected to um, the environment I grew up in, connected to so many other things that I loved. Um, it was more of a lifestyle that I I thought and and I was attracted to. So yeah, man. So just, it's quite interesting because obviously you're talking about culture and, you know, coming from a coaching background myself, you know, one of the things I often look at is in different environments, how people set that culture and what that culture actually, uh, you know, is in terms of the principles and the values in each different environment. So you're talking about as a sport, generally the culture is very much linked to that of a, uh, you know, of the hip hop, you know, the music, the, the type of people, just not, not just in terms of the urban culture, more specifically the black culture. Um, I can see the, the link there. In terms of in terms of the environment you went into, though, what was it? What was it in particular about that environment you thought? Because correct me if I'm wrong, was it the same environment that you 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 then stepped into yourself in terms of where your brother was doing the practice? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I followed into training. First train, actual basketball training session I ever showed up to was um, at Queen Elizabeth Girls School on a Sunday uh afternoon but before that you know uh i guess i started sort of following him to the park you know going to the park with a couple of his friends um and i always wanted to hang out with the older guys and and that was what they were playing they were playing basketball and when they were playing there was music involved on the sideline we'll go get food after like and just everything about it it was just interesting you know it was in the summertime yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was, uh, you've now gone to that session at QE Girls. What was that environment like? Because obviously now anyone not listening, anyone listening to this is probably thinking about QE Girls, it's, you know, it's probably a different type of environment. Obviously now it's probably been a higher space that's been hired out. So maybe just yeah, talk no, about Yeah, that. so um, obviously basketball isn't uh, 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 a big sport. It's been growing a lot, but at the time especially, it was a very, very niche sport. Um, so the club that I, I, I went to go and train with at first, Barnet Bulldogs, um, we they rented out the space at QE Girls uh, on Sundays and I believe Wednesdays. And, at, you know, that first session on a Sunday, it was just, OK, this game that I was interested in and intrigued by, uh, by the culture around it and, and, you know, the kind of lifestyle that surrounded it. Now I went into an a environment that was more structured. There was more structure there. There was more instruction there. It was like, okay, you enjoy how the basketball players dress and you enjoy the music and, you know, you enjoy all the fancy tricks and how it looks. But, okay, now there's fundamentals that have to be learned. The boring kind of side of it. It's almost this However, is happening when the lights are off. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, the you know, so, you know, this isn't flashy stuff, but I was just so, so interested in improving. And I remember um, one guy called Steve, nicknamed for Steve. He was very good. He was uh, an older older gentleman. And he um, he taught me how to do a layup. Uh, and it was basics, you know, for those who don't know, layup is basically making a shot, you know, pretty much right under the basket, but 
he just walked me through, okay, when you're making a right-handed layup, uh, you have two steps. You just start with your right leg and you jump off your leg. If you're, and you jump off your left, sorry. If you're going to make a left-handed layup, you start with your left and you jump off your right foot. Um, and those were the first, like, basic, actual basketball instructions that, that I got. And I saw, by immediately, I tried it. Obviously, I wasn't great at it, but it made sense, the balance. You know, I was much more balanced. It, um, uh, the ball was going in a lot more. <laughs> I was having a much higher success rate immediately just from such a simple instruction. And I was just like, oh, okay, geez, if I come here a bit more, um, if I pay attention to more of the stuff uh, that they, more of the information that they have to give me, uh, it, it could, uh, you know, I could I could be all right at this, you know? And, and at the beginning it was, you know, that's sort of just where, that was the first building block. No, I think that's really, really interesting that because, you know, especially in, in football, right? You get a lot of coaches who, in my opinion, are well-intended, but I think there's a difference between actually coaching and actually just facilitating an environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, especially a lot of coaches I've come across, they're very good at facilitating the environment, but they just kind of allow the players or the participants to kind of just get on with it. Now, what you've experienced there, that's an element of coaching. He's, he's obviously giving you some constructive steps to kind of take to get from point A to point B in your development pathway. Now, just how important was that for you in terms of locking you into that environment? Because in a lot of environments, people would just be like, oh, the, the, the participants in this case, the children are having fun. They're enjoying themselves. That's all that matters. Um, and they almost, there's so, there's so much emphasis on that part that they actually lose sight of the fact, yeah, it's good for them to be enjoying themselves, but they still need to be, they still need to be helping them develop. Um, I, I think enjoying the, the game should be the first step, and that should be what, what sort of intrigues the, the player, you know. It, it makes them interested. Like, all right, uh, um, I want to see, um, I want to learn more about the sport. And once you have someone's interest and they're intrigued, the fun part is the challenges. That is where, you know, that is where that sports is all about competing. It's all about competition. And, and you know, all the way down to a very grassroots level, it's about competing. However, the first lessons that you probably would teach is, okay, it's not really about competing with um, John or Alex to my left and my right is at first competing with myself and learning these skills, which is, a, it's an element of competition with yourself. You, you want to better your last score every time. You want to, you know, but in order to do that, the first challenges are, and the first competi- uh, form of competition is learning the fundamentals. Do you know what I mean? And, and with each fundamentals, you unlock another challenge and you unlock another competition and another level of, uh, of competition which is another opportunity to improve and it's the it's winning those little battles that should become fun mm. you know um we we can't lose sight of you know i feel like we're in a very we're in a society where everyone gets a medal as a kid now which is extremely damaging to to the kids to the younger generations to to those that are coming up next um, and I say that because 
yeah, it's important to have fun and and yeah, um, encouragement is should always be, I think the the way to 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 kind of motivate people. There's a good and a bad way to motivate people. However, I do feel like the the biggest importance has been lost and across different sports. And I don't know, I could be wrong as far as in football, but I know in basketball, um, holding holding kids accountable to to the right way of doing things from a from from an early stage, it, it often gets lost. Um, and I don't know if that's somewhere along everyone trying to skip to becoming Cristiano Ronaldo in one day, LeBron James in one day, Stephen Curry in one day, or over a shorter period of time, everything is so um, about instant gratification uh, today. And, and Maybe give me a, give me an example of what you mean by it, it, it's something that you've come across in basketball in particular. Maybe I can help uh, help some of the listeners of you relate to that in, from a football perspective, because what it sounds like okay. is that they almost they want to be rewarded just for just for being there, rather than actually having to put the effort in and then reap the rewards from the effort. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, you know, now it's a thing where kids are not as interested in learning the game, you know, um, just from anybody. Everyone wants to learn the game from a guy who's, okay, they're asking the trainer, okay, who have you trained? I spoke to one of my teammates about this just the other day. Um, he was like, okay, one of his guys that he played, he had, he played some years professionally overseas or whatnot, uh, headed back to the States. Um, and now, you know, he, he trains kids just because, you know, he, uh, it, it's something he enjoys. He has experience in it. He has knowledge of the game clearly. Um, and he can help, especially younger kids at a grassroots level, learn good habits. He's like, he's moved out to LA and he wants nothing to do with, coaching uh anymore primarily because he's like man now the biggest deal for the kids is they're coming in and they're asking yeah who have you trained like um and and, and these kids suck by the way these kids aren't good they they haven't done a thing they haven't they haven't earned um haven't earned anything but yeah. the biggest thing for them isn't the development that comes from the child themselves or the, the, or do you think it's something that the, the parent feeds in or parent is feeding into or is even offloading to the parent to the child because obviously I, I mean I can relate to a certain extent I know coaches who have who do a lot of maybe uh, like one-to-one or private training if you like for, for for athletes and sometimes the question is well who have you trained well that's not necessarily a measure of how good you are as a coach no, 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 no. Because you might not have come across anyone who's maybe got the passion to want to go and become a professional or an elite athlete. You might just have people who just make, they may be just amateurs and want to get to a certain standard. And you might be like, that might be your lane as an example, if, if, if that makes sense. I just think it's very hard for people to be authentic in their training and understand that the process is not fast. The process um, is very, it's extremely slow. And there is no way, you can't skip steps. And it takes commitment and focus um, and dedication over a long period of time to to have any sort of real long-lasting rewards. And for a parent, that means, okay, geez, I have to take my kid 
to training every single Tuesday and Sunday or whatever days the training is. I have to come out of my pocket to pay, you know, but these are all sacrifices of support. Um, for, for a coach, that means, yo, look, you might not be able to get as many kids that want to train with you because the, the, the truth of the matter is doing things the right way a lot of the time. It's not sexy. <laughs> it's not cute. It's not, it's not pretty. And, 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 you know, it is fun, but you have to enjoy seeing improvements. And then the only way to get to the real improvement that you will enjoy on the field, on the pitch, on the court, is by going through the right process, you know. Um, and, you know, especially if there, there's young, this, you know, for kids out there or younger folks out there, if you skip steps in the process, there's always ways to cheat on a test, Um to get you past the test. There's always like, there's always ways. I've been through school, I cheated on tests. <laughs> I know this. You can cheat on tests, you, you can find ways, you can get answers from your mate. Like there's always ways to figure out a test. Real life, there's no way to cheat on in real life. In real life, when real life situations come and you really have to know how to do that because it's not a test now, it's the practical and the practical is your job and you really have to know how to use your left foot just as good as your right, but you really have to know how to do it because the guy across from you, he's also been dedicated. He's just as big as you. He's just as strong as you. And now the only thing that's separating you guys is the dedication, the dedication to fundamentals, literally being just as good on one side as you are on the other, not, not being okay. I'm, I'm, I'm suitable going left, but, I'm really just waiting for an opportunity to push the ball back right. Like, but you know, my left can hold hold its weight, you know. That, but this these things only are developed by 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 taking the right steps. Yeah, no, no I, I totally get you, and I, I I do agree, but I think there's, there's gonna be a lot of people out there who'll be saying, right, okay, well, um, it's great that you want to be just as good on both sides. And you know, you're, 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 you might be speaking hypothetically, literally there, but what about those players or those athletes there that maybe got that, that special skill in there? And, and then there's coaches out there as people out there thinking, actually, rather than making you a bit more of a rounded jack of all trades, if you like, that's your super strength. We're going to hold in on that and we're just going to make you the best at that. So I'll give you an example. If I use a football context, um, we talk about Iron Robin. Well, we know what Iron Robin is. Yeah, you know what he's going to do. You just can't you stop him. Even though you know what he's going to do, you still can't stop him you'll find a way to still make it happen so no one can tell Iron Robin or, or even even if you go as far as Messi oh yeah yeah no we're going to help you get better at your right foot just as much as it is your left foot what about, what about those those ones out there who've seen actually I'm not trying to be an all round I'm trying to be a specialist but these guys that you're naming um, we say you want to take away uh, I mean you know we know they want to go left Um uh, Please don't let him go right though. <laughs> like, don't don't get it twisted. He can probably go the other way better than ninety percent of your football players out there. So, <laughs> what you're talking about is people who are of a level that is so exceptional. However, they still go the wrong way. If you put them going to their bad foot, their right here is not a little bit better than your average football yeah. player. So. 
um, you know, to be the exceptional one is great. However, you have to now know you the odds aren't in your favor. Mm-hmm. The odds aren't in your favor. For 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 a, a, a thousand, I'll go as far as saying ten thousand kids that are really really good on the left side. There might be ten of them that okay. If, if if you hone in on that, they can do something with that. Might might be ten. Yeah. And then after that, after that, the majority of your players that make up a football team, they're more well-rounded than than specialists. The majority. Yeah. The majority of people who make uh will make the, the roster. Okay, they have their positions and they're obviously position specialists. However, as far as skill-wise and what they're able to do, yeah. it's more well-rounded than okay this guy I have at left back he just does this the guy at right back he just does this when you're looking at those teams okay you're looking at super teams yeah Real Madrid's all yeah these are those guys yeah no 100% I think I think you know one of the things I've always kind of said is that I believe the best athletes sometimes they're not even the best technicians in the game there's sometimes mentally um, they're just able to make better and more efficient uh, decisions under pressure. Um, and it's not necessarily the execution of the technical aspects. So whether that's whether in your case, you know, making a layup, making a pass at a certain moment of the game, um, but it's actually recognising the timing of the right thing to do in that moment and the consistency of that is what takes players, in my opinion, to the top, top level. Because I'm sure there's going to be players out there that you've come across and I've come across, whether that be basketball, whether it be football, whatever sport they're in, and you're thinking, how the hell did you not make it pro? Technically, outstanding, exceptional, but they just didn't understand how to maybe apply those same technical aspects in the game context under pressure or when, when it actually matters, if you like. Mentally, is, is that's everything. Mm. You know, that's, that's absolutely everything. Um, physically, that's your... Your grassroots leagues, that's your, you know, your your under 20s, your under 21s, under 23s, that's all physical. Like yeah. you, you stand out in those places, obviously mentally, however, but a certain level of always being able to be successful at the mental level is also dependent on or, or, or at least being able to see it come to flourishing, a part of that is being of people who are of a certain level of playing, you know, because to think two steps ahead in a team environment, okay, well, you need to be around guys that they're thinking like that. And, and that's really what, you know, you're looking at. When you're looking at the highest, highest level, mentally, the guys are on a different wavelength. Mm. Um, but... I'll, I'll tell you for free, like, yeah, physically, there's a lot more people who have premiership skills, have NBA skills, as weight, like... Technically. Yeah, technically. I would say... It's a very key piece, because I think there's a lot of people out there, that, especially if there's any kids or younger people listening to this, I think typically when you hear the word skills, you think, right, what are the moves that this person can do? rather than understand actually that there's technical skills, but there's also the psychological, mental skills and the physical skills that come with that as well, whether that's based on you being a pure, out-and-out powerful athlete, whether that's you being a, a higher-level thinker, 
these are all skills when I think it's very important for you know to highlight that there is you know there is those skills out there too it's not just what you can do with the ball whether that be a basketball football or whatever else that might be I'll go as far as to say like your how strong you are mentally like that I, for me I think that's that's 70% of, of, of being able to thrive at the highest level. Mm. Mentally, how, where are you at mentally? Mm. You know why? Because when, like you said, when you get into those environments where it's like a pressure cooker, mm. okay, now are you able to stay cool? Mm. Like, and, and most people are not built that way. You know, a lot of people, they say, oh, this guy, he was absolutely killing it over here. And then he's he's gone and been traded to the Lakers in basketball terms. Uh, he's gone to Real Madrid. He's gone to um, Barcelona. Okay, what you've done now is you've taken someone who is exceptional, skill-wise, they've proven that the skill level they have, technically they have it. Because uh-huh. those teams do not come knocking unless technically you have it. And then all of a sudden, there's not the carryover and they just never quite make the transition. What people don't understand is you're around, you're in, um, you're now with Lions. Do you understand? You're now with, in football sense, you're now on the pitch with another 10 absolute savages. Mm-hmm. And and when you're a savage, okay, skill-wise, that's one thing, but knowing how good you are and not feeling intimidated by the guy next to you being world-class, and not at any point questioning your skill level, not at any point questioning your decision and your right to, to make the decision when you, because what the average player does when he gets around world-class talent is they defer. Mm. And this is all mental. This is all mental. It's not that they don't have the skill because you could have seen them make the play mm. when they were playing a, 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 on a team with average players. But when you get around world-class where the highest level of decision-making is now an expectation. It's not, you won't get praised for it. No one's going to clap for you for it. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, this is what you're being paid to do. That's what we do here. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it's the standards. So just, just on that, let's, let's, let's take that. You, know, you talked about it being a mental thing. Um, and much more about your own perception, your self-awareness really there. So I guess being a savage, being in a, a, a lion, as you put it, let's go back to your journey. You've gone back. Yeah. You started with Barnet Bulldogs. You've had those first few sessions. You've had Steve, who's had an a, a, a initial impact on you just with the layup piece there. Where does it go from there? And then, you know, because obviously, you know, we've known each other for a long time. I guess early on, um, a lot of the conversation, interaction we had wasn't really much around your basketball journey. Uh, until probably the time where you were maybe getting closer to leaving. Yeah. At what point and what stage you said, well, initially, what did that, what did, what happened on following on from Steve's impact on you? Where was the next piece of coaching or impact from after, after that? And I guess from a mental perspective, when did you start to realize, uh, actually, I might just be a little bit different from everyone else here? Or did you ever uh... feel? <sighs> Well, I, I was there every Sunday, um, and and Sunday grew into showing up to the Wednesday sessions, and then that grew up, grew into okay. Now my club only did two sessions a week, so now the other days in the week, I'm going to 
um, to North London to a session. I might go to East London for a session. Um, I started going around London on different nights of the week because obviously the availability of, of gyms and uh, the time, the times that other programs had courts for practice space. They had practice space basically. Um, so it turned into sort of an every, you know, I was, I was just trying to play and improve at all times. That, that was, I was sold on the game, you know. And, you know, I would say around year nine, year 10, I started to really feel like, man, no, I really want to, I really want to really do this. Do you know what I mean? There was a Spanish, an old national team uh, player for Spain. He came over to visit the club that I was playing football, Barnet at the time, of course. He came over to visit um, because our, our club had some ties with um, Spain because the, the owners were, were originally from Spain. So he comes over and, and this is where he, he tells, you know, he's just talking and, and, and the owner mentions me. He's like, yeah, he, he, he played against Shaquille O'Neal. He, he played against the U.S. Olympic team. Um, obviously, they lost. But, you know, he was just like, yo, the, the guy makes a pretty good living over in Spain. He's like, yeah, he's made millions over there. And I was like, millions? Like, I, you know, I thought, okay, you play in the NBA or, oh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. No, they were like, no, he, he makes millions. Like, you make a couple hundred thousand a year over there playing. Um, and that, to me, it, like, just alarm bells went over my head. I'm like, yo, this, you know, this could be something that could – could make a, a good living for me. I love doing it. It was sort of from that moment, it was like locked in. I was like, yo, I'm either going to go to Spain or I'm going to go to the States. Fast forward, um, a year later, year 10, I traveled to Spain in the summer for a camp for one of the teams. And this is where I was like, yo, no, I'm really, this is where I started understanding and, and feeling like, I could really do something with this game. You know what I mean? Like there, there still wasn't just tons of support as far as people just saying, oh, this kid is amazing, that, this, that, and the other. However, when I got to the camp, they put us in age groups and I think they moved me two age groups up. So I was playing with the older kids and I was holding my own and, and I was doing well. And there was one sort of knockout game where it was like a game of one-on-one -on -one. A bunch of people, basically winner stays on, whoever scores keeps the ball, last man standing kind of deal. And I was the last one uh, standing. And, and, you know, by the time it finished, down there, half of the camp was was watching our court. And I just remember the feeling. I was like, yo, that, that's, that's, you know, like, I love this game. Do you know what I mean? That was the first time I'd been somewhere where, okay, basketball was appreciated. Um, fast forward a little bit. I end up not getting uh, sort of scouted to go out to by that club in, in Spain for anger issues. Again, mental, the mental side of things. I lost my cool at you know, some part in the camp and I punched the, the sort of padding under the basket and I break my wrist. So, you know, I'm out for the rest of the camp. I don't get to, to train and, and finish the sort of experience. I was doing great. And they end up telling the, you know, my, 
the people that run the club back in England, look, we would have loved to take him, but um, yeah, anger stuff. Like you know, we can't take a kid, a kid on, and and he he he's gonna be losing his cool. So you know, that was a just on that though. I think that's quite interesting, right? Because it, it, it comes back into one of the things I was I was really wanted wanted to touch on earlier around the environment and the coaching. You talked about you know the, the, there's a lot of coaches now who maybe aren't just or players rather. Um, I guess it comes from coaches. No, we're not really just sticking to this. This is a standard. This is a basic. The fundamentals that need to be done in the environment. Uh, but obviously within that. I mean, you can argue and say that's quite an old school mentality as well, because it, especially with the way coaching is evolving, sport is evolving. Now there's people talking about loads of different range of styles of coaching. And obviously these things have been around for years, but I think more now in the recent times, it's become more open to the fact that actually there's not a one, one size fits all approach. So I guess just coming back to that experience, then do you feel that, okay, fine. You can, you can, you can accept and maybe agree that the, the actions which you, which you carried out weren't acceptable, which is fine. And you're probably, you know, they're probably right in what they're saying, but do you feel that they, they should be more, more done on the part of the environment, i.e. the coaches, the, the organizations in those places to understand more about the individual and um, before making decisions like that? Or would you think it's a bit, it, it should be as cutthroat as, you know, this guy's had a bad day, this has happened. We don't really know the context, but we don't actually really care about the context because this is what's happening, if that makes sense. Should they? Yes. 100%. I think they should. But then, you know, you're thinking about it, I think, from... You're, you're not looking at it from a business standpoint and, and sports is a business. When you start talking about professional teams and on that level, okay, grassroots level, I definitely think... You know, it's all about teaching. It's all about teaching, all about developing the players. And in those environments, I think there needs to be a lot more sort of wiggle room, you know, and, and, and you have to kind of know who you're coaching and maybe adjust and, and, and be a lot more accepting of, of, different, um, of different player perspectives. You've got players coming from all different kind of backgrounds, all kind of environments. And, you know, your job as a developmental program is to try and bring all of them or help bring all of them to a certain level you know what I mean and that means learning each kid and and teaching them you know accordingly however when you're talking about professionals it's like well that's an investment like if yeah, if, if, I still if think there's a piece of that that is still developmental because I feel like uh, and this is not just basketball even in football I think there's, there's almost seems to be this this perception that once you become a pro that's it you're, de you're developed like there's no more development that needs to take place and there's no more responsibility from maybe the club perspective or the organization perspective to say we still need to help this person develop um and you know quite often often what then gets attributed to that is that maybe the best coaches are working at elite level but actually then it kind of then contradicts that in some ways and you need to argue well, in fact are the, best, are the best coaches not then sitting in grassroots environments if I mean, I think I, I understand what you're saying as far as, look, you know, players, people were supposed to improve until the day we check out. Like, 
you know, and, and from a player's perspective, you really should improve in some way yeah. until the day you retire. Mentally, yeah, physically, however, when someone has said, okay, for instance, if you talk about um, a, a child prodigy, we're putting this, uh, however many hundred thousand uh, we're, 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 we're going to invest into this kid. Um, and now he's he's losing his cool and, and there's certain character side things that are cropping up. Well, is that coaching? Yeah, of course. However, is there also millions and millions of other kids around the world that I can possibly uh, 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 take oh, a chance opportunity to? Like and and that's how you have to see it for you know mm. it's very easy to see it from our perspective. But one yeah, thing I try and do is I try and look at it from okay, what if you're the investor? What if you're the person yeah, yeah. who's investing in in the talent? It's like well, there's certain underperforming, fine, yeah. cool. Not not um not improving or not panning out, fine, cool. But then the controllables like losing your temper. It's like all right, well that one we we could have done without that one, like. That one isn't one that. Yeah, no, listen, I, I, I agree with you. I just, I just think you know the question should be asked sometimes, and I think for me, it's almost there's a problem there, but that's not our problem. Mm. Go away and deal with yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah. when you're it's not. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's like it's like someone having um, situations at, at, at the house. It's like. And as messed up as it sounds and as wild as it sounds, like your boss really isn't trying to hear it. And it's not to say that he, they shouldn't show empathy. There's obviously certain situations where I think just showing human empathy is, is the minimum you could do. However, more times than not, the situations are like, okay, these are decisions that, uh, that you have made ultimately and each of us, you know, I always say each of us stands on judgment day alone. Like, you know, the decisions we make are, are ultimately what, uh, for the most part, they, they, they take us in whichever direction um, we, we, we end up going. So I feel you. And I think development-wise, it, it, it's, it's a valid question. But in character-wise, there is no... Mm. There is no wiggle room there. There is no because there's just too much money on the line. Like, yeah, no, I, I feel you. I feel you. All right, cool. So then, you know, that happens. Age fifteen, year ten, you've just been, you know, you've broken your wrist. You've turned away from the the, the Spanish, um, the Spanish tryouts. Where does it go next? Because obviously, like I said, at, the, at this point, we you know, there's probably a bit more conversation taking place around. Right, right. Oh, we might be going to play ball. Oh, we're going to play basketball. Everyone's talking about it. When did that shift start to happen for you? I think where you've recognised what's happening. Because I actually think I remember that. I think I actually remember you coming back with a, with a cast on your wrist. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so from that point there, A, what did you take away from that situation? Um, what was some of the maybe general advice or, 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 or comments people were making to you? Maybe, maybe even from your parents' perspective. What, what, what was the message from everyone else around you that was, that was you know that was able to be part of you having that opportunity in the first place 
You know, like my the owners of the club, you know, that sort of took us out there. They were just they said it a couple of times. I remember them saying, "Man, Ovi, you know, can't have a temper." But it was a way where it was almost in a I don't want to say patronizing way because obviously they didn't mean any they didn't mean it in that sense. However, it's like you're telling me I effed up without telling me I effed up kind of thing. But obviously, young folks, kids, young adults, they're smarter than we give them credit for. Like, way, way smarter. And they know what's going on a lot more than we, we like to appreciate. So I knew exactly what that meant. I was like, well, damn, that that I, I've just shot myself in the foot kind of deal. Um and it, yeah, it, it was a very crystal clear message. It's like, yeah, you, you get a shot in, like, you, you, you don't, your temper, your, your emotions, you keep them in check. Like, it's just, it's just what it is. Um, or else they're not gonna, they just won't fool you. Yeah, later, um, I end up, I end up getting suspended from school, having a big issue. <laughs> Spend it for a little period of time. Had to, you know, took took a month out. But that summer, following last year in secondary school, following my GCSEs, uh, I ended up going to a camp out in the states, and that sort of just changed everything for me, man. Um, before that, you know, things were looking, you know, things were sort of on the ropes as far as what I was actually going to do next, because me getting suspended definitely changed um, the faith, I guess, that my parents had in me to to to, to be trustworthy enough to, to go out, you know, as far as the States. And, and, and um, yeah, so I kind of lost their sponsorship. But <laughs> I went to the camp and, yeah, I got scouted from there. Ended up going to a secondary school that following year. Everything that summer just happened quick. Everything happened quick. Went to the camp out on the West Coast, two weeks. Um, while I was out there, they're like, yeah, we, 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 we've got a school for you on the East Coast. After the, the camp, had an absolutely amazing time. I come back over to the UK. Um, and like, I'm getting ready to go to the States in like three weeks. You know, it all happened in a month and, you know, in, in five weeks, I've literally gone from not knowing really how things are going to pan out and really knowing what my next step was. I think I went to, um, I went to, to, to visit Woodhouse College, I think it was, uh, but I didn't know what the hell I wanted to go and study yeah, I, there. I think I remember that. I mean, um, I think I should probably go to visit Woodhouse, you know. And at that time there, obviously, we used to spend a lot of time together. And it was literally like that. That whole period was filled with quite a lot of emotion because it was like rotting. Like this, you're moving now. You know the ones mm-hmm. that, I mean, mm-hmm. when you finally realised that this was happening, what was going through your mind? And obviously, a large part of that is something that, you know, we talk about it, we've, we've spoken in brief about it throughout this conversation already. It's about that mental piece. You've now, you're going over there, but you're also going over there alone. So maybe just talk a little bit about that. Um, 
the only thing that's going through my head was two things. It's like, I can't mess up this opportunity and I can't go there and come back the same. Like, um, and, and that more so from, from like a basketball skill standpoint kind of thing. I was like, when I go to the States, next time people see me, you know, I must, like the levels just have to have, I have to have increased. Um, and that was just the mindset I went out there with. I was just like, yeah, let's go out there and just kill it. Like, just smash it. Um, I have to, I have to prove myself, but that's fine. Uh, because, you know, I wasn't necessarily, um, I wasn't highly touted around in, in the UK basketball scene. It wasn't like everyone just sort of knew who I was and, and, and I got respect all over, but it wasn't sort of that situation. You know, people were familiar with me, but yeah, I didn't really get much, um, yeah, I didn't get love like that. There were a lot of other players that people were like, oh yeah, he's gonna go to America for sure, and he's gonna do. But I was never one of those those guys. So I did. I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder too, because in my head I'm like, man, I'm better than all these guys. That's how I felt. I, I really felt that way, you know. Um, but I was just like, yeah, but they just don't know yet. So ended up going out to the states. Went to um, private school, and I get out there. I'm smashing it. I'm doing my thing, um, I'm killing it. But then at the end of the year, after that season, I remember watching TV. I was sit, I was in my host family's crib and I was watching the TV and, and uh, a championship game for high school basketball for the champion of the state in Virginia. The, the, the state championships came on on television. It was, they were broadcasting it. And it was a, it was a public school um, state championships. And the level of play was just, it, it was different. I was like, okay, I ain't been, <laughs> I ain't been playing against the best out here. I, you know, that's where, that's where the dogs are type of deal. Um, and I don't know, in my heart, I was like, man, I, I go, I got to find some way to go there. Like that, that's where I like, I need to be playing in the public school league because that's where it's at kind of deal. And that's mad. Like it, 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 it sounded crazy to my parents when I told them. My whole family, they thought I was nuts. I, I think there's a, this, this, there's a some really important, there's a really important piece about it because it, it, the people that you're talking about there are the people who haven't been afforded any other opportunity than what they've got, right? So yeah. they have no choice but to graft and grind in that open environment. They are the savages, if you like, in this case. And you know what they say, you know, the age old saying about iron sharpens iron. So you're going to have those people in that environment. You need to be pushed against the best and the hardest and the toughest. And even if they're not the most technically best, they're the, maybe the most aggressive type of players that you come against. So you can start to hone your skills in a different way. And I think some environments, you're just not going to get that. And I guess if I think about it from my perspective as a coach, I'm looking at it right. That, that for me is almost somewhat the subtle differences between maybe a recreational environment and that one of a development and a performance environment. What do you mean exactly like? So you will get some players who like to play the game, they want to play the game and they're passionate about playing the game. Um, but they're maybe not passionate about becoming elite athletes. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. So in that case, they just happen to be in an environment where there's a bit of structure, there's a bit of um, there's a bit more, it's a bit more formal of an environment, but it's not that that dog eat dog environment, yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah, that aggressive yeah. environment where they're actually gonna be put to the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're being challenged, they're being stretched, but they're still relatively comfortable. Do you know what I mean? Um, whereas those who, you know, that's what I'll probably say is more in the recreational space. They're just happy to be involved in yeah, 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 yeah. in a structured manner. Whereas the, the other side of that, where it's a bit more aggressive, a bit more, it's like those guys are the ones who are really looking to try and develop, challenge themselves, shut themselves, don't mind playing two, three years up because they want to try and make a, you know, prove a point or they don't mind being played out of position because they want to show they still got it. On the other side, nah, I'm, I'm you know, if I use football as, football as an example, well, I'm a goalkeeper, I can't play anymore. So I'm a fullback, I can't play anymore. So well, you're either a player or you're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying if you're a goalkeeper, you can play out of field, but, or vice versa. But what I'm saying is there's, there's still a certain standard of skill sets, regardless of wherever you play on that court, or wherever you play on that pitch you should still be able to operate to a certain level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely think that's 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 a huge part of the difference. Um, and that's why whenever I see anyone operating in uh, a professional setting or um, in, in a real developmental setting, I, I give everyone their fair dues and their respect. Do you know what I mean? Because what they're doing by showing that commitment, by putting themselves in an environment that isn't necessarily comfortable, it's like, okay, you don't mind the uncomfort, which is the price to improvement. You don't mind that, and I respect that. That's what you see when you when you watch all these crazy training videos of boxers and what they go through and, and um, fighters, when you see the build-up, the sacrifices that they make. When you see uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's um, workout routine, when you watch guys like LeBron James train, what you're seeing is like, these guys are at the pinnacle, but they are always chasing being uncomfortable. Like, they're not training comfortable. They're not training and, and and you know, it's just pretty like the, the you know, one of the guys that I, I really got big time respect for, Damian Lillard. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's, um, you know, all-star caliber guy. He's made his hundreds of millions, signed with Adidas, multiple contracts, been renewed. You know, he's doing the damn thing. Everything about his setup right now says, yo, he, you can chill now. But he chases being uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? This is one of the things that I've noticed and in my head, one of the reasons why I respect Cristiano Ronaldo to another level, even though I may not understand football technically past a certain level. I know what it looks like when I can see someone who they embrace being uncomfortable and the challenge that comes with greatness and the challenge that comes with trying to be at the pinnacle of your sport. No footballer in their right mind leaves where, every, you know, they're doing well, everything's going great. One, just to chase, um, you know, something that's always been a dream, even though it's not going to be as easy a situation. And then after that, go to the bloody toughest league in the world, the most physical league in the world. When you're getting older, who the hell does that? No one does that. Do you understand? 
And it's like everyone talks all this messy that respect to all of these guys because they're all legends. But you've got one of the guys who's gone to the toughest football league uh, 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 to a team that is has expectations every year just because of the size of their team. You know, one of the biggest clubs in the world where, you know, the fan base is very, very... Man U is, a, is not an easy place to, to go and play. Old Trafford, they will stick it on you. Do you know what I mean? He's gone there to try and resurrect uh, a situation over there, which is a huge challenge. Everyone knows that as soon as Cristiano Ronaldo goes somewhere, all eyes are on him. But he's taken on that challenge. And that, to me, is like, okay, no, you're, you're looking at a real... He's something else. He is something completely different. And on the other side, you've got guys going to a league, to the best team that flogs everyone in the league, that pretty much in every single year. And now, you know, obviously their tougher games will be Champions League. But but after that, they probably have a handful of games that will challenge them over the course of the year. To me, that's coasting. I'm like, well, you know, respect to all of you guys, but I don't want to hear that Cristiano Ronaldo talk because he's different. You know, he... he and he's just shown that from, from just the challenge he's taken on. And he expects to win. Do you know what I mean? He's not going there and, and you know, he's not... He's like, oh, OK, everyone knows what I've done. He could very well and just, just call it and, you know, say, man, you don't know who I am type of deal. And no one will say a thing to him. Everyone will talk about every other player on the pitch, but no, everyone knows not to talk about, you know, Ronaldo. But he's not gone there with that mindset. He's gone there with a mindset to let's not let's get uncomfortable and know what this program, the culture of this club is is about, and it's about winning. Now, what do we have to do to get back to that sort of, you know, um, and and these things you you just have to always always appreciate and respect, you know, across sports when you see guys with that dedication to, to to what they do man it's just it's, it's phenomenal it's amazing yes you talk you know and I, I totally agree with everything that you just said there you know, it's about that dedication and, and and the hard work that goes on behind the scenes and you no know, I guess coming back to your journey then you need to talk there you've seen this national state championships or the state championships sorry um and you've recognised you need to be in that environment. Those are the types of people that you want to be coming up against. You're looking for that challenge that you're just talk- that you've just been talking about. What happens then? How do you get from how do you get from being in a private school environment, not in that one, to now going into that one? Uh, so you know they have like um, something called AAU over in the states, which is sort of it's grassroots, uh, well, developmental kind of summer league deal um, where. They, they have a select team. They, they pick best kids from, from the area. Um, and, and you go and play against kids from other states, from other teams, um, from other select, select teams. And I was picked for a select team and the coach just happened to be one of the assistants on that high school team. So, you know, um, I, I, I sort of voiced voiced it after a practice. I was like, man, oh, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to play. He was like, oh, oh, you see, oh, you for real? We can make that happen. <laughs> you know, that whole kind of deal. Um, and, and you know, we ended up being able to work something out. And uh, before I knew it, 
next the next year um I was returning to school but I was on the other side of town um moved in with a new host family and 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 I had a new challenge up ahead of me you know everything I had previously done was out the window and it was in the rear and it was like okay well now the real work begins now you can really see what you're capable of who you what you really made of what can you actually you know it's sort of like a, to prove something to yourself, like that you didn't shy away from, from yeah. the toughest. So uh, let's just talk that about talk about that a little bit because obviously you've gone over, you've moved to you've moved abroad, uh, you're living with the whole family. Um, you've then obviously decided the environment you're in isn't the one that you want to be in. You've looked for another environment. And that's that's all well and good. A, how how did your parents take that? Um, be what would you say to maybe any coaches out there listening to this thinking about some of the considerations that they should maybe have when uh dealing with an athlete like that who it might not be in a high school setting it might just be someone who's coming from abroad and looking to settle in but they haven't they haven't come with their family or anything like that they might be a young player they might even be an older player you know uh, coming in and just having to adjust to a completely different uh culture lifestyle um way of living however you wish to look at it um, I think what helped me sort of make that adjustment was just the fact that, you know, everyone that was involved, be that my teammates, coaches, um, the host family, everyone, they really, really cared about me, you know, like, and, and you know, that was off the court. They made sure I always had everything I needed. Um, teachers, whether, it, you know, I had to spend some extra time, you know, everyone was willing to help me be successful and I, I saw that and one thing I would always say to coaches is the more the players understand that you actually care about them um, the more you can extract from them because you know and, and, and you extracting the most out of them is everyone wins you know as a player you, you want to be playing for someone who can pull every drop of talent and ability out of you that that's what his dream is and then for a coach um your dream is to to have a player that is willing to improve wants to improve wants to you know always learn has his eyes and ears open and his mouth uh, shut except for for good for good questions type of deal and that's a coach's dream so it, it it's um just showing that you actually care about about the person, and you know, even especially as a younger younger guy, that that really that meant a lot to me. Um, and I think we we underestimate how much showing, especially young men, showing young men that no nah, man, we care about you. You know, it's not, you know, this isn't necessarily a situation where Sai says, oh, yeah, you're a man. Go out, find a job and make it happen for your family. That's your role. Well, no, there's people out here that care about you and, and want to hear what you have to say, your opinions, your feelings, your thoughts. Um, and appealing to that side, now you, you have a whole nother level of young man and you have a whole nother um, side of him that you're able to tap into um, that helps obviously extract the best the best out of them you talked about obviously the people that you know you had you had the support network around you that were helping you making that transition from well from the private to the public school 
um, just recognizing that they had the genuine care for your your well being and I guess your success, if you like. Now, what was it like for you on a personal level as an individual going out there by yourself? Obviously, you had that support network there. Did you ever, was there any feelings at some point where you felt maybe you're out of place? You found it difficult to settle in? What were some of the challenges you felt you, you had to deal with on that side of stuff? If I'm being very, very honest with you, um, yeah, moving over to the States was easy, man. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. You know, you miss family, you miss your friends. Um, but, you know, that's like anywhere. You, I think if you've moved far from home and, and the only thing you miss is just people, um, not that those are small things, but you're going to miss your family when you're away from them, regardless if you're up the road or halfway across the world, you're going to miss your family. It's your family. Um yeah, man. I, I I think America's was one of those cultures I grew up watching, so everything was just interesting. It was fun. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And yeah, I was just ready to take on this sort of new challenge, man. You know, when you're young, you're, you're, you really feel indestructible. Um, so I, I was just ready for the challenge. So then what does that journey then look like for, you know, for a young athlete out there? Um, you hear... So a lot of people, you know, we're not really, really familiar with what the pathway actually looks like for a young athlete out in the States. Um, obviously, you've got your education piece. You've got your actually, you know, the, the on-field stuff. What does that, what does that process look like? Because obviously, I know we had a conversation in the past where you was hoping to go, you know, be in a draft for the NBA at some point. Um, that obviously never panned out. What's the process leading into that? Um, and then, you know, where does it go from there? Yeah, so uh, over there, you know, you you play for these select teams, you play for high schools, and, and this is where the, the college coaches kind of come in and, and have a look. Um, with, with the development of the, the select leagues, the AAU program that they have, it enabled coaches to come and have a look at a whole bunch of prospects in one place so they weren't having to fly to North Carolina on Monday then head to New York on Tuesday and head to the West Coast on Wednesday, they could go to these AAU events that were in the summer and look at a whole bunch of kids. And then they could now shortlist guys from there if they wanted to sort of take a further and have a closer look and say, okay, wait, hold on. This is this is a kid I really want to take a serious look at. And then, you know, they would go to your high school games or um, go and see you play throughout the year. Uh, so... Yeah, so my whole deal was, you know, there were there were a lot of different schools that were interested, but were sent, you know, got mail out the yin yang um, from from a ton of different programs, uh, mainly spanning high mid major um, was the general was the general level, uh, and I ended up going with a team down in uh, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, 
of Alabama, sorry, UAB. And the reason I selected them was, again, for similar reasons to why I felt like um, things worked for me when I transferred. And it was just everything they had in place. It showed that the coach cared, the, you know, the the players were, were like a family over there. It was a close-knit sort of community. Um, and I really loved that, man. And, you know, it was another opportunity. It was obviously going to a very historic state uh, that has a lot of history around it. Um, and, and, yeah, just going to check out things further south. And, yeah, that was sort of the next step. Um, as my career developed, my, my junior season, that's my third year, my the coach that brought me in, he ends up losing his job. So now, you know, this is the business side of things that I'm sort of getting a peek into from, from a collegiate athlete standpoint. Um, and now it's like the first time where I'm, I'm, I'm having to sit down and sort of make this decision. Like, okay, well, do I hang around here uh, for my last year or, or do I just go and get a fresh start? Um, I ended up deciding to leave when, when my coach left. I headed out, went to, uh, transferred up to Duquesne, which was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I just felt like I needed a change of environment. I needed to, you know, make things happen my last year, go out with a bang and give myself the best chance um, possible to, to maybe have a draft look or um, just get my professional career underway. Um, so I headed up to Pennsylvania, and and this was this was a really important important part of my my career. I think for me, um, because the rule is in 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 colleges when you transfer schools, you have to sit out a year, so you have to spend a year on the sidelines, so you can practice with the team, train as normal. Why is that? that? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's just an NCAA rule that, that they've had in for a while. Um, and I think primarily it's possibly to stop kids from just transferring all of the time. You know, if you know you have to sit out a year before you can play again, it, it's a decision you clearly thought a lot about. And, um, yeah. So, I, you know, I get to Pittsburgh, new environment. I'm like, okay, this is a fresh start, new opportunity. Um, and, and it's a great opportunity for me to, one, improve in my year off, spend time honing in on skills, on my skill set, work on my mind, on the mental side of things. You had no game time during that period? Zero. Zero game time for a year. Didn't play. Didn't see the floor. And it was it just, quote-unquote, competitive game time with the, with the college that you weren't able to do? Or was it, was it any game time in any capacity? Well, yeah, like I, I wasn't able to compete against any other schools, no programs. I wasn't able to. All I could do was train, you know, so I was basically a practice player. So, um, you know, I spent that year, trained very hard. You know, I was locked in, focused. Um, and, yeah, I was just ready to to do what I had to do my last year. Um, and I ended up having the best year of my college career by far. I think I went from averaging nine points 
to or around 10 points sorry to around 18 which is a pretty significant jump you know I made one of the all-conference teams um and you know I I think I gave myself uh, a really good opportunity to to be successful moving forward because it's like okay I put in a lot of work and the hard work paid off and it was like, okay, everyone always says that, but you never, you know, until you've done it and you've actually pushed yourself to, you know, to, to your limits and you're able to experience the success that that will have, um, it, it just sounds a bit cliche, doesn't it? So I, um, uh, I, I fell short. In the draft, was I didn't get drafted. Um, I worked out for, for a couple different teams. Um, and I got positive feedback. But, you know, obviously, I think in those situations, um, yeah, there's 60 slots. You know, there's 60 slots to fill. And I don't know how many people enter the draft every year, but it's a bloody lot. So, you know, the next decision for me, it was sort of, okay, the... Golden State Warriors, they said I could have played with their G League team, um, which for me, I was like, okay, I I just didn't feel like it was the best option for me. I always said I didn't want to play in the developmental league. Excuse me. Uh, so then I end up making the decision to come back to Europe. I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll get my career started off back in Europe, closer to home. If I move back to this side of the world, uh, and yeah, man, I think at every single stage of my career, it's just been, there's always just been different challenges. Do you know what I mean? From being the rookie um, and having to learn that it's more, not even more so, but it's just as important how you carry yourself off the court and, and the little kind of unspoken rules um, and and I, I should say the, the pro, the professional etiquette, you know, how you just how you move as a professional from learning those, those lessons to now moving to um, a country that was at the that point in time in Greece. Um, that was, you know, they had a lot of economical problems. Um, and OK, now it went from I was dealing with basketball stuff and now this is something that's affecting everyone this is this is just life you know when the economy crashed that was when I was over in Greece the last huge crash that we had so uh that was a lesson in its own and then I moved over to Spain um Spain I I, I had a, an injury my first year so it was the first time I had to deal with injury and I had to sit out and I had to be able to bounce back the second year I bounced I had to um come back and play off off of uh, sitting out for a long period of time and being injured. And I had to know how to to deal with getting used to how different my body was. Let's just talk about that for a second. You know, so, I mean, uh, so one of the guests I've had on the show recently has it's been Jack Porsche. And obviously he he was, a, you know, a massive talent. There was a lot of uh, talk around how his career should have just, uh, he should have got a lot further and achieved a lot more in his career than he has. Um, but a lot of that's been down to injury. Um Obviously, when you get when you get, when you do have those injuries and you have those little niggling injuries, uh, especially when you get the long term ones as well, yeah, just how easy people maybe write you off and even for your own self, 
to think, right, am I going to get back to where I was? Well, that's one of the most difficult parts, I think, um, of dealing with the injury is that you you have to get used to the changes in your body. And and it's something one of the, the older guys told me uh, that year when I, when I got injured and after I was injured, he was like, man, if you're ever able to, to rehab without surgery and, and you know, um, regardless of how long it might take and um, how much they might tell you, okay, well, look, the surgery can, can speed up the, the healing process, et cetera, et cetera. Whenever they've cut into your body, your body is, it will never be the same. Even with the best in the world, even with the best rehab, like your, your body will not be exactly the same again. It, it's just impossible. Um, and that was something I don't think I understood because obviously I'd never had any injury where I required surgery before and, and I'd never had to sit on the sidelines for an extended amount of time and sort of deal with, okay, now I have to rehab and, and realize that now I have to strengthen the muscles around the injured area. And that there's just a lot of maintenance work that now goes into that. And that maintenance work, that's no longer your workout. That's, that's just to keep yourself healthy, you know? And now it's another level of commitment. And it's like, oh man, before I only had to spend uh, I had an hour session, but now my my session all of a sudden turns into an hour and a half, an hour 45, because the other 45 minutes, I have to do preventative stuff, um, you know, just do stable, stabilization drills, uh, just do a whole bunch of different stuff to ensure that I can just stay healthy and then do my workout session and then do everything else that's just a, a requirement. So... Um, just getting used to that and getting used to how my body was moving. I, I went through a period where it was scary, man, because, you know, and I even spoke to my mom. I was like, mom, my body just don't feel the same at one point. I was like, man, this is nuts. Like, I'm trying to do things I know I can do, but it's like my body wasn't responding the same. And that to me was just wild. It, I, I couldn't really wrap my head around. I was like, why isn't my, you know, why isn't my body uh, responding? And especially for someone who's in their early 20s, that's, that's a very, that's a tough lesson to learn. Do you know what I mean? Because different thing if you're talking to someone who's in their 30s and, okay, now you're talking about father time and you've, you can, you've had the privilege of just feeling your body slowly decreasing speed and slowly not be able to turn quite as sharp. And then, you know, you, your recovery takes a little bit longer. So at that point, you're realizing, okay, now my body definitely changes. And, you know, you, you, this is at this point now you're playing more with your mind and with experience and, and things that you have learned to be more efficient. Uh, but at that stage, when you're young and you're going through, you know, a period where you're dealing with injuries, it's, it's just like, it's an extremely tough situation. And, you know, like I was saying, that's just another part of my journey, another lesson I learned, another life lesson I learned um, about how to, to adjust and be be flexible um, in, in your progress and, and having 
a destination set, but being flexible on the journey on, and, and on how you necessarily get there. Um, and, and there's a saying like, always plan on the plan, not going to plan, like kind of thing, like, you know what I mean? Just don't think things will work out exactly how how you think they will or, or you know, and being able to think and adjust on the fly like that, I, I appreciated that lesson. And then the next year, um, I came in best shape I think I'd been in in my whole career up to that point. I was sharp. I came off a year where I bounced back from an injury and I finished off the year really strong. Next year, there was expectations again. Okay, yeah, like I was the big dog on the team now and I was supposed to do really well. Got in there and it was just all about, in my head, I was like, man, I know I'm ready. And that was the only thing that I was concerned with. I started off playing very well. The team wasn't doing great. So now it was a situation where I was understanding, yeah, you can you can be as 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 prepared as you want, but in a team environment, in a team game, you also have to know how to extract the best out of those around you and know how to lean on your teammates and be able to lean on your teammates and be able to challenge them. You know, so just you were talking about what, maybe 24, 25 sort of age by now? The time, by the time I, I, I um, you're talking about when I, when I, uh, you're, sort of coming back, you're coming back now, you're seeing your best career, best, best shape of your career. Best shape of my career, I was around 20, I want to say 27. Okay, so 27, 20, kind of leading into that age. You're now starting to, you're no longer a young buck. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're getting to that stage now where, yeah. You've been in this process for a while. You've been on the, You've been. You've been running on this hamster wheel for a little while now, um, and now it's almost getting to that stage where actually you might start having to help some others learn how to get on that wheel themselves. So, yeah. where did you start to see that shift? And you know, what were some of the things that you started to maybe uh, notice within yourself that you had to start doing to become, or maybe to hone in on some of your, maybe your more leadership skills, if you like. I would say that came. So I took a year out, and that was following the, the 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 year where I felt like I was in great shape, but the team underperformed, and that really really hurt me because I was like, man, I I did everything I was supposed to do, like I was dedicated. I I I, I didn't take any days off in the summer. I, I would, my my diet was on point. My I was locked in. I, I trained hard. I pushed myself. I made sure I pushed myself. Do you know what I mean? I I, I sacrificed. Um, fun time, and I did everything up by, by the book. And from the disappointment, I was like, "Man, I, I just needed a, a switch up." And this is where I, I took. I ended up taking a year off um, after doing reality TV that summer because I was in the summer. I was like, "Man, I need to do something completely different. I need to get my mind away off, you know, basketball. It's been all I've done up to this point." Um, and so I, I I go ahead and 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 I just I take a shot in the dark and I say I I try I'll give this a shot reality TV that ends up going how it goes um, and 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 pretty much works out that following year I was just like well there there was so many opportunities and different things just for my life and and areas that I could sort of introduce 
to and learn more about myself more as a Let's round talk person. about that for a second what, what was your mindset obviously you just keep wanting to maybe take a, a, a almost if you like a change of scenery from the basketball scene yeah 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 then from age 16 it's kind of been a full-time thing for you right full-on you've had to go from country to country from pillar to post just trying to make things happen for you and i, I got you know this will be this will be learning experience been enjoyable experiences along the way i'm sure but it's still quite heavy on the mind if you like so you've kind of hey if, if anything it's a bit of a detox i'll come back to this i'm going to take a break and come back to this why reality tv and why love island and what would yeah. your what process going into that in the first place what were you know what, what, what was the expectation what was the um the hopes and ambitions of, off the back end of it well, let me tell you, like, the initial idea was my brother's idea. You know, my brother was the one who, and, and he, it was something he brought up just in passing. Um, and, and it wasn't something that I took seriously. I didn't really know, I didn't really know much about love. And you, I mean, and you know, sort of my schedule as far as, you know, just how little time I actually spent in the UK. Um, so it was just one of those things. I wasn't. I wasn't hip to how how big the whole thing was. I I I, I genuinely didn't know. Yeah, honestly, I can say the same thing. So I mean, I remember my missus; she would watch Love Island, um, and even prior to you coming on it. And then obviously, when you came, like she'd always get me to try and watch it with her. And I'm like, that's nah, not really my thing, and it's not really for me. Like, yeah. Um, and obviously, she's like, ah, oh, I think your friends on Love Island. I yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think he is on Love Island, and then she goes, Oh, you, you should need to come watch it now, isn't it? So I'm watching it, watching it. Also, but even if I think back at the times when I come out and see you in Spain, that uh, your schedule was pretty much go train, and then you just kind of, if you like, rest and recovery. I'll just relax. Rest, rest, relax. Rest, rest, recovery, train. And it would, I mean, it's not that you were, I wouldn't say you weren't, you weren't sociable because I think you're a social person by nature. But I think what it was is that you were just kind of, you were really focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of be at your best. Um, and obviously at that period of time, that's what it looked like. So obviously during that time, you know, there's a lot of, from my perspective, the observation was that you was in a clear focus set, focused mindset. Maybe just talk a little bit around how important that piece is, because there's a lot of athletes out there, and not even just athletes, just people in general who are, are kind of almost let their let their, let themselves slip in terms of what's up, you know, what what the target goal is here. Sometimes you talk there as well about planning for when the plan doesn't go to plan. Yeah. Um, you know what I like to refer to is: Have you thought about the what ifs? Mm, mm, you know, mm. and, and, and I say to people all the time: you, you, Having a plan is great; it's great, but it, it, it is just a roadmap. It's a guide. No one's telling you this is what's going to happen, but you've got. To, and I think having having that perspective, and it also allows you to then plan for the some things that might occur on the way. Whereas I think having a plan can sometimes simply be from A to B, and you don't really consider those things sometimes. Um, so just from, from, from your perspective, you know, how did, how did you start to develop that routine of being focused, if you like? I think the, the a long time kind of, it, it, it made me that way. 
Um, that's I think one of been one of the the hidden gems and blessings of of playing ab abroad and always playing in different countries is that you can always hang out with your teammates and these there's new cultures to learn. Um, however, just by the nature of the job, you will you will spend a lot of time alone also. You spend a lot of time alone, and in that alone time, it, it gives you time to think. And and when you think, um, especially as a competitor, um, after games, the the thinking goes deep, and and you think about you know, okay, what am I doing well? What am I not doing so well? Where can I improve? Where am I doing you know doing what I need to do? And and you just, I don't know, you you, I think we're a product of our habits you know as humans you're 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 a product of your habits so if they're good habits or bad habits you are a product of your your strongest habits period even to down to the way you think your your emotions your mood is a product of your habit of thought um and and these are all things that i became more conscious of when i spent time alone i was like man the habits we build they really start with our thoughts um, to control as much that you are in control of as possible. And that way you can have the days you want. And the more days in a row you have that you want and you have crafted to the best of your ability, that's really having the life that you want. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so I think it's something that just gradually kind of um, it's like a building block deal, man. How it starts with, you know, I don't know. Okay, so you, you've, you've taken that focus and you recognise, okay, now I need a break. Obviously, you know, you've had that conversation. The idea of Love Island came from your brother, of reality TV, whatnot. Like I said, I don't really, I, I never, I'd never really had any idea what Love Island was. I've heard about yeah. it, never watched it. Um, never had, never intended on watching it. Um, but then obviously, you came on the show and I was like, okay, cool. Now I've got to watch. I've got to support my guy. So talk about <laughs> what was your expectation going into that? And what were you hoping to get out of the experience? Man, I don't think I knew enough. About, like, I knew what it was, but I knew where, what it was very vaguely. Like, a very, you know, I knew, okay, it's a dating show. And I know, and I know people, you, you can win. Like, I know that, you know, but it's very vague. And I go into all of these sort of interviews and those, and they explain like, okay, if you go in there, um, there's a, a, a chance that you come out and um, a lot about your life can change. And But obviously I'm not familiar with anyone really who's come out of it before. So I don't really, in my head, I don't have any reference points to, to like bounce off the back of my mind. The last thing I remember was before leaving England about reality TV was Big Brother. Yeah, and Big Brother also, there's another key bit within that is there's also understanding that even if you don't make it all the way or you do make it all the way, there's no guarantees where that's going to go up next. There's also, for instance, you've got some people who maybe won these things in the past and you never hear it again. Some people who maybe haven't yeah. won these things in the past and have been such a hit with the public that they've become mainstay people in, you know, whatever walk of life they're in now. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's still yeah. relevant. But it, I think what was really interesting was that you've just said that you've gone into it not really knowing what it was about. So 
from that perspective, why I love Ireland and not something else. Because that's what my brother proposed. <laughs> it's really that simple. <laughs> like, I, the, the, it, it wouldn't have been um, TV at all if it wasn't something my brother proposed. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. Literally, my brother proposed this show, um, and so I was like, all right, well, let me see. I li- I googled how do you apply for for Love Island. I googled it, it googled, search thing came up, and it showed the application. I, that, it was really, you know, sort of as as simple as that. So um, it wasn't something that I I, I expected something out uh, off the back end of it, or I knew. I didn't know anything about boohoo and and like, I didn't know I didn't know what enough about it for 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 to have aimed for that. Do you get? It? I was just oblivious to it. And and my honest honest thinking once they said, oh well, look, you possibly um, could be someone that we're interested in going in. I was like, all right, well, cool. I'll I'll go in. I'll probably be kicked out after a week, two weeks max. And then I'll be able to train for the next season. Yeah. I never planned to to um, take a year up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, they'll, they will for sure kick me out in two two weeks max. I'm like, I'll give it two weeks max, and I'm out, probably out of there. Different experience, you know, free holiday, whatever. Just something. It's just off yeah, the board, yeah, yeah. Just out of the box. So I've done something out of the box. Okay. I can now go back, refocus, rechannel my energy, re- like, yeah, and it's almost like a very refreshing experience now. Yeah, um, because there's no pressure on that. I have my job. I know what my job is. My job takes good care of me, and I ain't trying to give that up, you know, uh, for 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 no reason. So let's talk about that for a second, because obviously, you know, you went you went on there. He did last more than a couple of weeks. I don't even know how what the total time frame was in the end. Um, probably close to maybe five weeks, maybe maybe more than that. Um, you've come out of that, and in in the time of you being there, you've obviously developed a, a large following. Um, both, I think, in terms of people that people that probably in the house and whatnot, um, but but all, you know, so over social media in particular, you know, you, you you've kind of really been plastered everywhere off the back of that experience. What's that been like? And what, was there a temptation there to, as you said, you know, you, you got your career, it looks after you very, very well. Was there a temptation to just say, right, let me just go full on into this then? And I'm sure there would have been opportunities for that to be the case. Um, obviously, at the heart of it, you've maintained the fact, no, I'm an athlete first. Uh, I mean... <sighs> Like me stepping away for 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 the time I did, um, I still wanted to play like basketball. I, I wasn't ready to give up what I love, give up what I'd sacrificed so much for, give up what do you know what I mean has has helped me in so many ways, and you know, and it's more so than monetarily. You know, relationships, people I've met. Um, that's through basketball. That's been way more valuable than any dime I could ever, um, I, you know, I, I could ever make because I can call on people, literally all around the world. I could pick up a phone if I land in Australia tomorrow and be like, "Yo, come, can you come pick me up?" If I'm in Paris, if I'm in Greece, all around Europe, I can, you know, I can just pick up a phone if I go to Brazil tomorrow. 
like a pick up a phone and I know people, you know what I mean? Um, and those kind of relationships, like there's very, very few trades, very few jobs, very few walks of life where you get to meet people from literally all across the world, but not just meet people from across the world that maybe are living in London now. But no, these people live in all of these different countries. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You've got the opportunity you, to travel You know what I mean? I had the opportunity to travel and, and you guys have, have come together for a common goal for a year, two years, a, a small period of time. And then mm-hmm. everyone goes back to their corner of the world. But it's mm-hmm. like you build these relationships. And it's like, man, if I'm ever in your neck of the woods, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to give you a call. And if you're ever in my neck of the woods, you give me a call and, you know, I'll make sure you're all right kind of thing. So it's almost like a brotherhood kind of deal. Um, and it's something that is 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 more valuable than, I think, I think you know, money, because, you know, money can always be made and found in some way or not. So, yeah, man, um, I thought there was a very short period I would might say that I was like, man, I may be could step away from this and to be fair I, I could have and and I, I I would have done very well just because a lot of what a lot of the opportunities I think I had or the, a lot of the opportunities that I took on anyway and I would like to think that I, I remain what this way is just things that I'm just really interested in in it and I think I'm pretty transparent as far as when I'm interested in stuff. I'm not like I, I'm. It's very hard for me to kind of hide my emotions around yeah. around stuff. It, you know, I, it's just very telling with yeah. my kind of personality. So, yeah, man. You know, it was it was cool. And and that year, COVID kind of happened. And in the <laughs> the best way possible, it's like, well, if there was a year to sit out from basketball. Yeah. It was that year. The season yeah. was cut in half. No one finished that season. Yeah. So it's just like, well, you know, life gave me um life gave me lemonade. Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> I think it's just you just on that obviously one of the things that I guess you know you, you seem to have taken a real liking to and an enjoyment in um is solving people's dilemmas. Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, but, but I don't think I'm solved. Nah. I don't think I solve. I don't think I solve any dilemmas, you know. But I just think I've got an opinion that might be or might not be. But I like to think is is a lot more travelled than most. Yeah, okay. so you're not getting the opinion of someone who's grown up in London, but you're getting something that has an American influence, has a Greek influence, has a Spanish influence, has an Italian influence on way of thinking. Um, you know, just because these are places I've been and people that I've I've come across and I've taken little things from their cultures about just how they move and how they operate. And I think that just gives an interesting perspective. And sometimes it's just jokes. So, yeah, man. I feel you in that one. So obviously, you know, you've, you've, you've gone onto Love Island, you've come out of the house or the villa, um, written a book, got a podcast, uh, you know, you, you're, you're a regular pundit on Sky Sports um, covering the NBA NBA stuff there. Um, I want to kind of take it back to your own journey as an athlete now. You, you know, you've been in these different countries, you've had these different experiences working, you know, playing in different environments and 
having times where you've been uh, part of the squad but not able to play, whether that be through traitor, through injury, whether that be through um, you know regulations. In terms of the coaching piece, what would you say is maybe one of times you you talked about a really impactful time earlier with Steve, um, but, but throughout that journey, there's probably been a, a hundred of different experiences and thousands even. What would you say is one of the most memorable and most impactful experiences you've had from a coach? And what was it? What was it that they did that impacted on you so much? Well, there was two coaches. It was my two college coaches. The first one, Coach Davis, Coach Mike Davis, absolute legend, man. Um, and to be fair, I I really disliked him when I was there. When I was at school in Alabama, I, I really disliked him because. But looking back on it, I, I just, yeah, I, I felt sorry for myself. I was immature. I didn't, I was too immature to understand the lessons that he was teaching. You know? And he's a, he's a more old school guy, but then you understand why he's the way he is when you understand the school of coaching he's come from. It's like someone being an assistant coach under Sir Alex Ferguson. Now, someone who's come up watching him coach and and seeing the success he's had, they will probably be of a similar cut from a similar kind of cloth type of deal. Um, and that was what this situation was like. You know, Coach Davis, he came up under Bobby Knight, which in basketball, in college basketball terms, legend. Like, you know, there's a handful of coaches maybe in, in history that are on that same sort of level with, with Coach Bobby Knight. So he came up under him. Um but he came up under him in a time where, yeah, it was it was very, you know, there was still, he came up under him in a time and that school is in a place where, you know, racial tension is a thing. Do you know what I mean? Not many black people um, around where he coached. He went, he coached at Indiana. So Bobby Knight, he retires and my old head coach, Coach Mike Davis, he he steps into the role. Now, that is a role that you're not going to win. Like you, It's impossible to win. Whenever you have to fill a legend's boots, it's like, man, like, damn. Like, <laughs> like whatever you do, if it's anything less than perfection. It's going to be compared. They're gonna they're gonna compare you, you understand? And and he he actually went to a final for earlier on and and he ended up getting fired not too um long after. I think after one or two seasons after he just almost won a national title. And it just showed you like, yo, they were just waiting for the guy to to mess up so that they could get him out of there. Mm. But uh, he sort of had that chip on his shoulder. But um he was trying to get me to and and the rest of the team to learn lessons about life as, as a young black man um, and understanding what that meant and understanding what comes with that and what that territory entails and, and um, trying to get us to learn how to be successful uh, given, you know, given, given the circumstances. But that's something I just wasn't, I was too immature for. But after I turned pro and I had all that reflection time and I had so much downtime on my own, I thought back and these were lessons and things that just popped up into my head. I was like, oh, that's what he meant. Yeah. Oh, 
like these just light bulb moments just would happen over the course of, you know, the next couple of years over the my first couple of years profession. I'm like, that's what he was talking about. Yeah, just on that thing, you're talking about light bulb moments. I think one of the things that I, you know, in, in, in my day to day, a lot of my a lot of my role is about supporting other coaches, um, developing, uh, reflecting, um, challenging them, and stretching them where, where I can. And for me, a large part of that is a reflection piece. And sometimes, you know, you talk about an experience that you've had a couple of years prior, um, but the message not really landing until a couple of years later. Now, in your own experiences, in your own, in your own, I guess, routines and whatever it is that you have. Are there any particular questions that you start asking yourself to maybe help you reflect further on things? Or any processes even? Do you, do you specifically uh, try and think back to certain moments and then think, okay, let me delve into that a little bit more? How, how would you go about that process? No, no, I just go about it more so as trying to remain in the moment to where I'm learning what today has to teach me learn like whatever lesson today has for me you know I try to remain in the moment so that I don't miss it because each day has a lesson and when you don't learn them these lessons will come up time and time and time again until you notice it (laughs) and you grow from it I, I just think that that's just just how how um where life goes but in order to learn the lesson, you have to be in a learning frame of mind. And that is a perspective. That is a way on viewing situations and viewing life. You know, all of a sudden, if you're in a different frame of mind, you see challenges and things not going your way as blessings rather than as woe is me. And, and, and you don't feel sorry for yourself because you're like, oh, OK, I'm lucky to have the opportunity to learn this lesson kind of deal. And as as it might sound cliche and it might sound unrealistic, but that's that's the that's the that's what it is. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it's just about being in a certain frame of mind and and having a certain paradigm of things, um, because we tend to like to look at things through our own lens that disregards everything around us because the universe it it was it, we're the center of our own universe you, you get what i'm saying mm-hmm. so sometimes it's hard to be in a learning frame of mind mm. so because you know talking about some of the lessons from uh, coach davis your reflective piece what is coaching to you so obviously you talk about some okay. of the lessons you've had from a coach what what is what is coaching look like? To you? What would you if you have to just maybe share an example of the best piece of coaching you've had as an athlete? What would that look like? As a coach, you're you're a teacher, you're a mentor, you're um, you fill various roles. Mm. You know what I mean? I think a coach is someone who is who is fluid. They're like water, man. They they can adjust to different situations and different personalities. You know, but ultimately, a coach is is, is a teacher, mm. and, and some classes require less talking. Some classes require students to have to learn certain lessons by themselves, and some classes require more in depth 
um, interactions and discussions. But I think the best teachers, they, they understand just the value of the whole process and the fact that the process differs from person to person. Mm. Do you know, what I mean? um, no, definitely. I'm. I'm. I'm speaking to um, you know, Shaq a few months back, and you know, he was talking about with Phil Jackson, and one of the things that that really was impactful with Phil Jackson was that you know they had the likes of Shaq, they had the likes of Kobe in the team and whatnot, and they he kind of just said, "Look, once you get to game day, it's all on you. I ain't gonna have a part to play in this process." I'm just going to leave it all up to you and trust that all the stuff that we've done in the build-up to that, you know, it, it has landed in the way it needs to. So you've already had your light bulb moments and now you're going to go apply everything that we've picked up and almost giving the players that that ownership. Um, but I guess it, in some ways it's almost putting a trust in himself that he's done the job that it needs to be done so that when it comes down to it, they can they, they can do what they need to do, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Experiences like that that you can relate to? Um, I mean, I, th- I think I've, I've experienced that in, in various ways uh, across just the course of my personal journey. Um, you know, Coach Davis, one of the things that I do remember about his practices and his pre-seasons and stuff, it's just grueling, man. Like, you know, we won a conference title. Um, we, we were a winning team. Uh, one of the best teams in the league for for damn sure. Um, the two of the three years that I was there, and I just remember how grueling the training was. The whole idea was for training to be as uncomfortable as possible, to stack the odds against you as much as possible. So um, then you just you felt comfortable when things got uncomfortable, mm. you know, and, and, I, and I, I genuinely believe, especially in, in, um, in sports, the more the coaches are able to get their players to understand the importance of being uncomfortable and to chase that feeling and to chase, to, to, to try and get into that, uncomfortable zone as quickly as possible and then make that a culture and make that the new norm and make that the new thing that okay this is just how we this is how we operate yeah. now you're you're talking about operating at a, a championship level like that's when you have those teams that they just slaughter other teams man you know and and you have those 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 athletes that they just they shred their opponents but I think within that is all. One of the consistent pieces is that 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 unwithered, un you know, immovable focus that the people within that system or the process have. You know, um, it, again, if I go back to what you know the, the conversation I had with Shaq, and he was talking about right. You know, there was obviously a lot of commotion around him and Kobe and their relationship. Um, uh, and, you know, people have their own opinions on, on what it was and what it wasn't. But you go, one thing was for certain is that when they were on the court, nothing else mattered. Yeah. yeah. Anything that was going on the field, anything, any other issues that might have been around, uh, it was just literally they were focused on so much on the goal that was at hand. 
or the task and that, that, that that's a, that's all that mattered. They were they, and they were willing to do whatever it took to kind of achieve that goal. Um, so I guess you know, in, in your in your journey, you know, you you've gone you've now gone you know you I don't want to wish you years away, but you're kind of moving towards the back end of that journey where you're yeah, now yeah, yeah, yeah. some of these lessons onto some of the younger players. What, yeah. What's what, what's the, how's that challenge been for you? It's more patience. Just more patience, but, you know, um, patience and experience. You know, you have experience to be able to look back and know and and at times be in some of these players' minds and in their heads because you can see the intention. You can see um, you can see where there's focus. You can see where there's, um, you know, the mindset to do well there. But then you can also see where maybe there's a bit of missed focus, and you can see when there's um, when they've lost focus and they and they've lost the where they've gotten it confused as far as the path that they need to go down to get to where they they need to go. And it's like you've been there, you've done that, but you, you need to allow them to learn some lessons for themselves. Because especially as a young man, very few young men, especially athletes, are able to tuck away their ego and their pride. Because it's something the average man struggles to do just day to day. Like every man struggles with it in a certain in one way or another. Like it's a lesson that wisdom teaches you. You know what I'm saying? Um, but so with that being said, sometimes you have to let the young the young kid touched the hot stove yeah. so that he never does it, so he never does it again rather than just tell him because you'll just repeat yourself yeah um, but then there are times where you're like you can sit them down and, and be like yo nah look you don't need to have go down that road you know because because that could set you back so and so many years and this is why I know because this exactly happened to me and this is how it panned out and I know this, this, and this guy who has happened to, and it didn't pan out for any of them. So maybe it could work out for you, but yeah, you, 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 you've, and you've earned the right to be able to say that to him. You know what I mean? Um, but I think patience, man. Patience is the biggest key, I think, of leadership. Um, and, and understanding that, you know, examples, you have to set an example, man. In business, you, you, you lead from the front, you know. Mm-hmm. And you lead from the front as far as showing people that you're willing to sacrifice for everyone, be it your time, your effort, your energy, your patience, yeah. um, all of these things, you know, and, and they all play play a play a role. Definitely. Now, I'm conscious of time, but as we look to start to wind down, I just last few questions I've got for you. You know, first one is you've been on this journey for a little while now, you've even taken a break and come back to it to help to keep you motivated and inspired throughout this whole process? Just uh, the work that I put in, the time, um, winning, you know, and, and just appreciating the opportunity. You know, I think every year I'm able to play longer and the more I'm, I'm able to play and the more I'm able to get out of it and the more doors is open for me, the more I appreciate it, you know. Um, and obviously I think the older you get in life and the more years that go by, 
life happens, you know, off the court. You lose people, um, you know, you you run into some some lows here and there, uh, and it just makes you appreciate things like the opportunity to be able to play sports um, for a good living and, and, and just do something that I always wanted to do as a kid. Like, there's not many people who... Uh, you can say that, do you know what I mean? And you appreciate it. And I think that's a huge motivation for me. Definitely. And I kind of just kind of build on that then. What would you say has been your biggest challenge to date and how have you dealt with it? Biggest challenge to date has just been honing in on the mental side of stuff. You know, I think in the last probably the last four years, five years, it's just been, that's been the difference maker. Like, and, I, and I've understood it and I've realised that. But that's something I think that depending on when you, the mental side of the game and the mental aspect of things, depending on when that clicks for you, yeah. um, given a certain, obviously, uh, technical ability, that determines your that determines where you land and that determines how far you go. Um, because, yeah, the mental side of things, like, yeah, I can't stress that enough. No, I definitely I totally agree with this. I think it's just being able to like manage yourself in those different situations and be able to deal with the pressure that comes with the, with the environment that you're in. I guess, you know, having explored your journey, you know, you've now evolved in terms of your role within the team, your role within the organisations that you're work, working with, you're now you could arguably be seen as more of a senior figure. If you had the opportunity now to go back and speak to yourself at 16, leaving for the States, embarking on this journey to become a professional athlete, what's one message that you give yourself then? Um, biggest message I would say is trust yourself and The more focused you are, just yeah, focus determines your focus will determine how how far you go. Your 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 focus, your laser light focus, that determines, yeah, that determines everything. So Ovi, now in Japan, you've had your you know, yeah. you had your box and your 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 reality TV lifestyle. Um moved over to Japan. How are you finding that? Japan is a different, it's a different world, man. I've never, you know, this is a side of the world that I haven't had the opportunity to come out to yet. Um, I've never played in Asia before. Uh, it's a different game. It's a different market, you know. Um, but it's, it's just interesting, man. And, and I just think there's a lot of opportunities out here. Um, for myself, basketball-wise, you know, the chance to be in just a dope country, to learn a lot about, a different culture and this is something like an element of me making this decision when it was sort of deciding time was it was just like okay once I maybe have other responsibilities family and things like that when am I ever going to be able to just yeah. spend time living in Japan or yeah. you know living in Asia necessarily like it could happen maybe but you know it, it's definitely, I wouldn't say it's the, the, the plan, 
per se, you know, I've, I've got everything set up on the Europe side of things. So um, just with all of that, it's just like, it's just a heck of an opportunity, man. And I'm learning a lot, man. Learning a lot every day, enjoying it out here. Um, it's a new challenge again. The role is different, like you said. Um, yeah, man. And I'm just continuing my journey. Lessons, new lessons every day. Oh, answering more dilemmas, yeah? You've got your own <laughs> podcast now. Um, maybe you want to share a bit of insight around that. Yeah, so um, Ask Obi podcast is pretty much just taken on a lot of the listeners' dilemmas. They'll, they'll send in their voice notes. And, you know, I have a couple recognisable voices or faces, a couple celebrities come on and, and just give their opinion. Um, and people from just different walks of life, some, some actors, musicians, uh, people that have been in the Olympics to, you know, to all, all kinds of different roles, just um, giving their opinion. And I've always just said, whenever there's an issue or a problem or a dilemma, um, I think the best thing to do to help people, maybe, especially if it's asked, is just give them different perspectives. It's yeah. always their decision to finally make, and it's always their, they always ultimately come up with a solution. Yeah. However, um, I think when they can have viewpoints from different vantage points, sorry. Yeah, it just gives them different perceptions to kind of take into consideration. There you go. There you go go and I think that in itself um, is something that's helpful and as well as that I think it gives people a sort of comfort just hearing some of the dilemmas because it's like a lot of us go through much more similar situations than we realise a lot of us feel isolated in our problems it's like man trust me a lot more people are going through exactly what you're going through and And sometimes the way you're dealing with it is just down to perception rather than circumstances so yeah. I, think, I, think, I think you make a great point. So I guess, you know, travel the world, reality TV star, podcast host now. Um, I want to loosely use the word therapist. But now, no, on a serious note, so, you know, what's next, bro? Where's, you know, where, where does the journey take you next? You know, obviously you still got a few years left in you, hopefully, um, with your basketball career. You've, you've, you've mentioned it briefly about, you know, maybe looking to kind of settle settle down at some point and, you know, um, have a family. What what is, what is what, What's next for Obi? Um, I think everything's next, man. You know, absolutely everything. You know, I don't think there's anything that I can't try and do. You know, I don't like to... Um, I don't like to say necessarily this is exactly what what is going to be happening in five years' time because a lot of things can change. I make yearly goals, personal goals, but a lot of my goals are more around personal improvement, improving who I am, learning, um, learning about life, just learning from things around me, uh, and helping that shape a more well-rounded individual rather than tying my future to things uh, as, as, milestone, as milestones. I think uh, if I focus more so on growing and focus on the journey um, and trying as best as possible to shut out tomorrow and shut out yesterday, 
it's just how to, I think that's how you can really savor and suck all of the juice, all of the, you know, you can get the best out of life in general. What I'm really hearing there is just try and be present as often as possible. Present, man. Present. The more present you are, man, I just, you know, I heard something Will Smith said. um, I listened to a talk he had and he talked about when he learned that his father was going to, you know, they told him his father was ill and he was going to pass away. He said he was lucky because they told them, okay, look, your, your dad has six weeks left. And his dad ended up living four months. But he said the amazing part about that was every single time he saw his dad from that moment on, when he said hello, he said hello properly. He really said hello. He really asked how he was doing. He genuinely wanted to know everything that was going on. He, you know, he he wasn't anywhere else in his mind but with his dad. And when he said goodbye, every single time he said goodbye as if it was the last time he was, he was going to see him. So he, they really embraced. They really said goodbye. And he was like, living that way for the next four months when his dad finally did pass, it was like, okay, he was at peace with it because he said, man, no, I, I did life. I did life. We, 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 we extracted as much out of the time we had left as we could have, 100%. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the things that hits us when we're when we get older, when, you know, we are met with these kind of situations is that I wish I could have. And only if I would have, you know what I'm saying? So I think being present and extracting the most out of each day and everything you do, like, it's just the way forward. Mm. No, I totally agree. But I think, you know, I think it's definitely something that I I believe is needed. Um, I think it's a lot more easier said than done at times. People, There's so many things in life that can consume us, whether that be work issues, families, family things, whether that be career, relationships, whatever it is. I I think sometimes we we do need to take a step back and, you know, just be present. Appreciate having gratitude for everything that we everything that we have and all the things that we experience. And like you said, sometimes we can look at it as a curse, but other, you know, you know, looking at it from the other side of the equation, it can be seen as a blessing. Um, so perception is everything in that respect. Um, on that final note, if you had sixty seconds now, just to kind of leave the listeners with one, I guess, key message, what would that be? Key message, the most successful people, I believe, in any field, be that sports, um, be that financially, be that uh, relationships, whatever, the most successful people in life, they're very giving and they're focused. See what you can give. When you give them more to an organization, you become of more value. When you give more to your relationship, you become of more value in your relationship. When you're focused on the organization, you automatically are able to give better relationship likewise uh whatever field it might be likewise so those are my two keys give give before you take (laughs) give don't even worry about taking give i I think i think think it's a great point because i think um you know i was was speaking to my missus about this yesterday she said you know she she said there was a i think it was an arabic proverb um you should just give and allow allow it to be washed away 
So I have no expectation of it be returning back to you. Just give, 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 give. Um, Too many people give for the expectation of winning on the on at some point on the back end, and it's hard not to because that's how everyone's programmed. But yeah. you give, and you know, trust me, you'll be alone. And I think the key thing within that is as well is, is you giving in a particular way it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to receive back in a particular way. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, I think I think that, that that should be kind of noted. It's almost that just because I've given you, I don't know. A book. Because I've given you a book. A book. Yeah, shout out. You are dope. Um doesn't necessarily mean I'm gonna get a book, but you might give me some you might give me something in, in, in another way, which is absolutely fine. But look, bro, appreciate the time. It's been a, a dope conversation. I think it's a great insight for everyone um in your own journey, um, away from the reality TV stuff, but looking at your own journey as an athlete, because that's who you are first. Um, but yeah, maybe just maybe just share some insight around where people can maybe get in touch with you, how they can find your podcast, uh, where they can even find your book. Uh, you can get my book on Amazon. It's also on Audible. You can catch me. Uh, I read the book myself. You'll be uh, happy to know. You can see me on Instagram at Ov Soko. Likewise on TikTok, all of that good stuff. Also follow me on Twitter Ov Soko, um, guys. Have an easy one, man. Take care of yourselves. Love, like, all of that good stuff. Um, peace. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.